Welcome to America's Commercial Real Estate Show, your source for market intel, forecasts, and success strategies. Hello, I'm Michael Ball. Thank you for being with us. This segment is brought to you by RealCrowd.com. If you need crowdfunding as a sponsor or investor, check them out at RealCrowd.com. Today we're going to talk about retail and retail real estate. Now, retail has been an exciting topic. I mean, everyone is interested in it. All the bad news over the press, people really concerned about store closures, about bankruptcy, about vacant big boxes, especially in some of the very tertiary markets, what's happening with some of their retail. But then at the same time, there is a lot of excitement about retail. You know, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's a changing world and it's not all doom and gloom. And uh, there's a lot of people excited. And one of the things I, I like to think about retail real estate is it's good real estate typically, right? It's, it's Maine and Maine and it's, it's, it's got utilities and it's flat and it's got good exposure traditionally. So there's a lot of people interested in changing use and redeveloping a mixed use. So I think retail is a very exciting topic uh, at this day and time. Well, please welcome my first guest. We have an expert on commercial real estate and on retail, Barbara Denham. And Barbara is senior economist with Reese and she's joining us on the phone. Barbara, thank you for being with us. Thanks for having me. Well, Barbara, retail is kind of a mixed bag, it seems, out there. How is it really performing? You know, if you read the press, you'd think that the, the sky's falling. Uh, what's happening with vacancy and rental rates? Well, uh, I can report that after uh, surviving the what many have called the retail uh, apocalypse, uh, you know, the, there were so many store closures in 2017 and early 2018, and yet our retail statistics showed positive occupancy, wow. uh, which surprised many, but it's just because the uh, most of our properties are more in the uh, bigger markets, and most of the store closures were in more rural um, markets. Mm -hmm. However, in the second quarter, we saw significant negative net absorption in the retail space of over 3.5 million square feet. Mm. So we really, really saw uh, the impact of the store closures on the retail statistics in the second quarter, unlike we've seen over the last five quarters. And most of that was driven by the Toys R Us and the Babies R Us store closings. All right, so now I'm shaking in my boots over here. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, uh, you know, it seems like a lot of those are in really good locations. So, mm -hmm. you know, what do you guys expect moving forward then for, for vacancy and absorption? Well, the vacancy rate for the malls went up by 20 basis points in the second quarter. That was like the, the mall vacancy rate had been trending upward, um, whereas the neighborhood and community shopping center vacancy had been flat, and that too went up by 20 basis points in the second quarter. However, we do think that most of the store closures for the Toys R Us um, closings were in the second quarter. So we're not going to see quite that strong of a response in the, the latter part of the year. It'll probably stay flat, maybe a little negative, but not, not like 3.6 million square feet. And overall, vacancy has been um, well served by the fact that uh, a, developers aren't building new malls or new neighborhood and community shopping centers. Um, and there, there have been other users going into retail space, and we've been talking about that for a while. But by and large, we have seen a, a widening gap between the better retail markets, um, 
uh, better re- retail locations and those that are not well located. Uh, and, and those markets that have a lot of tourism certainly have been doing better than those that have uh, very little tourism. Yeah, and it's interesting to that you noted that the vacancy is increasing more in the, in the malls than it is mm-hmm. in the neighborhood shopping yeah. centers. Because, you know, a lot of that's kind of grocery anchor, some of it's necessity, but it's also just real convenient to the shoppers. They're not having to go to a big mall, right? Sure, sure, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's like your hardware stores and your pizza places where you can get a, uh, you know, a quick slice of pizza, those kinds of like very necessity type retails. All right, you're making me hungry now, Barbara. Quit it, quit it. <laughs> <laughs> what about retail uh, rates, uh, rental rates? What do you see? Well, the, the retail rents have been very, very slow growing, um, but they haven't been declining too dramatically uh, as you would expect. So the rent growth, even in the second quarter, was a positive 0.2%, which is almost saying it was zero. Um, and yes, there are. It, it, there's just a widening gap between metros that are doing well and those that are showing declines. And um, certainly, the ones that are doing well are, are are keeping that average positive. Like markets in, in on the West Coast and in Florida um, are showing the highest rent growth, and those more in the Midwest are showing declines. And some some markets in the Northeast are also showing declines. Um, uh, and uh, it's, it's a pretty random uh, mix, but um, we haven't seen a, a major, major correction in retail rents uh, for this property type. Okay. You know, and one man's trash is another man's treasure, and it seems like some people are thinking it may be time to, to get out of retail properties, but, uh, you know, when we, we take them to market here at our shop in the southeast, uh, there's a lot of buyers interested. So what are you seeing from investors as you look at the, the U.S. overall for activity? Uh, well, it's interesting. When I looked at retail property sales over the last um, five or six years, you see uh, a lot of properties that traded that were development sites. Um, so, yeah, a lot of investors are eyeing some of these older properties and saying, hey, that would make a great industrial site that might make a good hotel or multifamily. Um, that trend has declined a bit. I mean, overall, property sales and development site sales has declined over the last two years. Um, the retail properties that are trading as retail, meaning you know they're, they're continuing this trading, those trades have been fewer and far between as well, but they've been kind of all over the map. So the better properties are still trading for a pretty good price. Um, the ones that are more remote uh, have been trading it at a much lower rate. So it's a, been a very mixed bag in terms of the retail sales. Yeah, and that makes sense. And uh, so let's talk about some cap rate examples. So these mm-hmm. really nicer retail properties that are selling on existing income and tenant basis, mm-hmm. what kind of cap rates are you tending to see on those? Um, you know, some of them can be as low as 4 or 5%, um, and others are as high as 11%. That's why we're, what I'm saying, you know, why I said that earlier, because, you know, I'm seeing cap rates all over the place, um, depending on how big it is, where it is, um, when it was built. Uh, so it's a real, real mixed bag. And because there are fewer transactions, it's really hard to get a, an average when, you're, when your range is as broad as it has been. Yeah, and especially when you said earlier that, uh, you know, if these properties are really being bought for even more development or redevelopment or... Right or change in use and their price per pound, if, if you will, uh, they're not really cap rate deals, are they? So 
What are some of the factors? You're an economist, you study real estate. You know, uh, what do you think is going to impact it moving forward, either positively or negatively, the uh, retail sector? Well, um, you know, what's interesting about the retail sector is what's, what the type of users going into those spaces. So the traditional, you know, clothing stores and um, novelty stores and certainly electronics, toy stores, bookstores, those aren't growing. Um, you know, certainly clients or uh, consumers like the new, new thing. So any kind of new concept, and we're seeing new concepts both in the grocery store world with Sprouts and, and all these other kind of newer organic foods or uh, grocery stores that have kind of a, an ethnic flavor to them. Um, they are growing and expanding. There's other new concepts that are competing with like Target and Kohl's. Um, there's, we're seeing a lot of those users going into this space. But we're also seeing a lot of service providers and non-traditional retailers going into retail space. I mean, certainly like the urgent care um, medical facilities are leasing retail space. We're seeing a lot of uh, fitness centers, gyms, and niche gyms like yoga studios going into retail space, tutoring services, um, and even pet uh, <laughs> pet-related service stores like doggy daycare places. So what you're looking at is, you know, I look at the retail sales statistics, and they haven't been very stellar because, you know, so much of retail sales is e-commerce. But you have to look at kind of the other sectors, service sector type, like fitness. Um, and those that, that growth is pretty strong. So it, it's a real different tenant mix in these retail centers. Yeah, that's a good point. If you're just looking at retail sales, maybe you're not seeing the real picture because there's so many you know, healthcare tenants and experiential uh, tenants in some of these places. Um, let's think about some things that could impact retailers and therefore retail real estate moving forward. You know, we had this great tax reduction, right? So employees, uh, we've had more income to spend. Is that resorting in more spending and, and consumer confidence? Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely think the consumption statistics are showing um, higher uh, consumer confidence, um, certainly higher consumption. You know, job growth has been strong, so that also uh, spurs further consumer confidence and further consumer spending. So I think the outlook should remain favorable. It's just how we're spending our money that, that, um, that you know, people like me have to really study. And, uh, again, I'm, I'm, I'm seeing a lot more in the service sector, um, you know, things like spas and nail salons. That kind of spending is higher, uh, whereas spending on clothing and, and outdoor furniture is much lower. You know, remember, there's, there's been a shift in the demographics. More people are living in the city. And um, so they're spending more of their money on those entertainment things, on restaurants. Certainly the restaurant growth is, is the biggest spending um, uh, compared to, say, uh, five or ten years ago. And people aren't, because they live in smaller spaces, they're not buying as much stuff, uh, not as much furniture. And so, you know, it, 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 I think the outlook right now for the near term is still favorable. It's just a shift in how we're spending that money. Yeah, that's a good point. And you know, I think we see it in every sector today. If you're an investor, lender, you're involved in, in real estate investments, is to look at what these tenants do and look at their sector. You know, we have so much changes in technology, uh, in buying patterns, and you know, electric cars, and all the things that could change what people need. I'm already seeing uh, some investors shying away 
from some of these uh, tenants that we may not need as much if we have a lot of electric cars uh, moving forward. Are there you know, there are concepts that you see kind of in changes in the economy coming down the road that, that we might want to think about related to retail? Um, yeah, I mean, like new concepts like driverless cars, I, I think about it, but um, I, I, have, I, can't, I can't envision how much it's going to change because it just seems you know, so deep into the future. Uh, I do think this entertainment piece is, is, um, is definitely a shift in how, you know, I, I think, yeah, a lot of people are on their electronics more so than they were before, but they still want to go out. They still want to see people. Um, yeah. So I think anything that's the new, new thing, I mean, the one thing I did mention, too, that we see a lot of leasing is these trampoline parks. Mm-hmm. So kind of taking kids out and, and indulging them in, in, you know, some kind of, indoor arcade or you know the ropes courses indoors or the you know the the trampoline park so that kind of you know new new thing will always get uh good consumption dollars uh off the bat because yeah but uh, people want to try the new thing but you got to watch those businesses like that right trampoline business that could be a little up and down right their business (laughs) (laughs) uh baba boom right Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So we're all going to be flying around in our in our cars like the Jetsons, right? Putting Fido out on, on the walkway. It's hard to imagine what's coming down down the road. Well, what would you leave our audience with, Barbara, related to retail investment properties or a retail property performance uh, moving forward? Uh, I mean, you have to look at the numbers. So don't don't um, don't always consider the doom and gloom that the kind of broader retail statistics might be telling you because again a lot of what the retail sales represent isn't really what we're seeing in the bricks and mortar retail space so you have to really look a little deeper into the numbers which is what we try to do on a regular basis yeah well that's a good point and and barbara great information as usual thanks for joining us my pleasure if you like more information for barbara visit reese.com that's r-e-i-s uh, dot com and, and, and I think Barbara's got a, a great point there. When you're looking at retail properties today, you want to look at tenant mix and the industries and what they're doing. And we're seeing so much change in use with retail properties now building hotels and apartments and becoming mixed-use developments. So uh, don't don't entirely shy away from some of these retail properties. There might be some great opportunities out there. Well, stay with us. We're going to take a short break. We'll have more on retail and retail real estate. I'm Michael Bull. This is America's Commercial Real Estate Show. Stay with us. Would you like access to invest in institutional quality commercial real estate with experienced sponsors with small amounts of money? Of course you would. Visit realcrowd.com. Choose between core, core plus, value add, or opportunistic. Visit realcrowd.com. Would you like to be the top producing commercial broker in your office? Check out Michael Bull's video training. Since you're a show listener, you receive 10% off your first purchase. At checkout, use discount code CREshow. Visit commercialagentsuccess.com. Are you looking for proven property management and facilities management education? Visit BOMI.org. That's B-O-M-I, Building Owners and Managers Institute International. They are the trusted source for education in the property and facilities industry. Visit BOMI.org. Welcome back to America's Commercial Real Estate Show. I'm Michael Bull. Thank you for being with us. 
Our sponsor for this segment is ArborCrowd.com. Invest alongside real estate professionals. Visit ArborCrowd.com. Today we are talking about retail and retail real estate. Please welcome my next guest. It's Beth Azor. She's Azor Advisory Services. Now Beth uh, does shopping center leasing training for companies who have leasing people for retail. She's also a real estate developer, retail developer. She's an investor. She's also a speaker and she is an author and she's going to speak with us right now uh, via, uh, where are we doing this? Via Skype. Thanks for being with us, Beth. Thank you, Michael. Thanks for having me. So Beth, you know, to, to get us started, if you don't mind, I think a lot of people are hearing a lot of bad news about retail and that you know, retail is, is, is doing terribly, that tenants are all going bankrupt. First of all, if you will, on the properties that you lease and that you manage, um, what are you seeing from your desk about how retailers are doing right now? So the hottest uh, concept or the hottest use in retail these days is restaurants. And I know that you've had some speakers recently on your show that I've enjoyed listening to that talk about that. In, you know, 10 years ago, the representation of restaurants and retail shopping centers was about 15%. It is now skyrocketed to 35% and some landlords are even taking it as high as 50%. Wow. So, so restaurant representation in shopping centers is crazy. They've really become the new anchor for properties. So as in the retail market, the anchors are starting you know, to have some issues with Amazon and online. The restaurants are really just killing it. Okay, well, let's, let's move into how to find tenants because no matter how full our, our property is, we always want to have the best options uh, for tenants, right? So you know, one of the things I know as a, as a trainer for helping people lease retail uh, that you talk about is social media. And I think people think about social media for their projects, right? To bring customers to their centers and things, but can they also use it to maybe attract tenants? Absolutely. So we're doing a lot of that uh, in, in a few different ways. So the main way is, you know, we're, we're still prospecting. So we go out, knock on doors, find tenants that we would like to come into our projects. And then what we do, because, you know, there's a Harvard study that says, people buy after the fifth touch. So instead of cold calling them four times after you visit their store, what we're doing is we are integrating social media touches. So we go into a store, let's say we go into this a great barber shop, we'd love to have them in our center, we leave them a flyer, we leave the property, and then we reach out, we go to Facebook and we see, okay, does this barber shop have a Facebook page? It pops up that they do, and there's a little blue box that says message. What we do is we message them, like direct message them, and say, hey, we own shopping centers. Are you interested in opening another location? What we're finding is if we do about 10 of those a day, because Facebook kicks you out after about 10 to 12, so it's not going to take you a lot of time, 15 minutes a day, we're getting three out of 10 people that are responding. So 33% response on the Facebook private message. Why is that? Well, one, they're not opening up their email seeing 300 emails and getting overwhelmed. They're opening up their Facebook and seeing a little one in the little circle at the top right corner. The other thing that is 
is the reason we're getting so much response is, guess who monitors the Facebook pages? The owners of the businesses do. They don't allow their gatekeepers to monitor their Facebook pages. So we're getting directly straight through to the owner of the business. So of a 10 average daily, we've been doing this for now nine months, we're seeing a 33% response. Of those three that respond per every 10, two usually say, no, no thank you, not interested, but one, which is 10%, we usually show space to. So those odds, Michael, are just crazy for uh, prospecting and building the pipeline. Yeah, that's awesome uh, return and, and percentage there. So you're not engaging with them to start promoting their business or retweeting them or reposting or liking their post. You're really just using it as a, a, the messenger uh, part of it. Yes, yeah, we're doing it as, uh, as basically we're driving we're, we're trying to prospect through their Facebook page. Okay. The other way I'm using social media to bring tenants to my shopping centers is to identify a use we need. So let's just go back to Barber, for example. And we pick the community that the shopping center is in. We'll, we'll choose, let's say, 10 zip codes around the shopping center. And we will do an ad, which will show the shopping center layout in the site plan. And we will send it to the, let's say, 300 barber shops in the 10 zip codes around the property. And that has been hugely successful as well. We just, um, we're in the middle of an LOI negotiation with a physical, 6,000 square foot physical therapist that we did, we did this strategy with. And now it's a snail mail. So it's it's Facebook advertising. Oh, oh okay. So, so if you have a Facebook advert, if you have a Facebook page and you're a physical therapist, we will pay. And that ad cost us twenty dollars. It ran for five days and it hit four hundred and seventy-two physical therapists in. I think we did a fifteen mile or fifteen zip code radius of the property. So your total cost and then how many prospects you got? That's that's some great numbers, right? crazy. It's crazy, crazy, crazy what's going on in the world of social media and prospecting. So you're not using the phone as much as really you're using social media and, and then you said come door to door, right? You go to see some of these tenants. Absolutely. So, so our strategy is we hit the streets and, you know, these are for mom and pops. These aren't the national retailers. Sure. This is the, you know, we, we all prospect the nationals and then we should be also prospecting the mom and pops. So for the avenue of the mom and pops, we go go out to the market, find retailers. We would like to have them come into our shopping center, leave a flyer, and then follow up with a Facebook direct message. And then once a week, we will run an ad for about $20. We, we send it out to the zip codes around the property and we do it use specific. We used to, when we first started exploring this and experimenting, we used to not do use specific and we didn't get as much interaction with the prospects as we have now by picking one specific use and spending the $20 and targeting it use specific. Well, it makes a lot of sense because you've, you've studied the market, you feel confident they're gonna do well, you can show them that uh, in the marketing, that's great. Well, we're talking with Beth Azor, and, and she is a developer. She owns shopping centers. She helps 
train leasing folks for retail. And uh, so I'd like to ask you, Beth, about some management tips. Uh, what, what would you say to existing owners or their vendors about uh, managing properties today? Sure. So uh, I would say I've got a few tips that I've been using after being in the, the business about 32 years. Uh, one, which very, very important for all of us, is rent collection. And what I find is the trick for very low delinquencies is being on top of it. I think that a lot of times owners and managers create our own vacancies. So right now I have, I own six shopping centers. I have over about 150 tenants. And currently I have one tenant that's delinquent after probably the third or fourth of the month. Now, how I've been able to do that over the years is I'm very strict. And on, you know, in, in my market in Florida, we have a three day notice policy. So, um, and I, I rarely give grace periods, uh, except obviously for the nationals that, you know, require them. But if it's a local tenant, I say, you know, I have to pay my mortgage on the first, you need to pay your rent on the first. If you want to have a grace period, then let's put in the lease, your rent's due on the 20th. And then you can have a 10 day grace period, which means I need my rent on the first. So we probably send out late fee notices, you know, when tenants first sign leases with us and first get open, in the first couple months and then they get with the program and they realize you know there's a saying the baby who cries the most you know gets the bottle the most yeah. so i am on them like white on rice which enables me to have a high level of collectability and also what we're doing in well hold all on before you move on i gotta ask you this based on our interview so far are you sending them that notice uh, that they're late via facebook <laughs> Yeah, no. <laughs> no, definitely not. Definitely okay. not. But we but we're also including ACH requirements in all of our leases now. So and we just started that January first. And I would say of the hundred and fifty tenants, we probably have about sixty that have signed up on that. So so that is my one very important idea because I know rent collection is important. It takes a lot of time. And for all of your, your listeners who are property owners, I think that sometimes when I'll buy a shopping center and I'll take over the, the, the property and I, I start doing my tenant interviews and I find out by a receivables list that there's a tenant two or three months behind, it's easier for that local tenant, Michael, to just move out than to come current. So sometimes we as property owners and managers create our own problems. Yeah, we let them get too far behind. That's a good point. Well, Beth, what would you leave our audience with related to retail and shopping centers and strip centers today? Well, the last thing I'll talk about is uh, a little bit going back to property management. They say that if you can increase dwell time in your property by five minutes, it supposedly relates to like $10 a person in spending. So I, one of my centers is a 42,000 square foot multi-tenant strip, Panera and Mission Barbecue are the anchors and Kirkland's. And what I did is I went out and I purchased benches and I piped in music. And uh, because on average the sales, I've got a bunch of restaurants there and I, in, in 42,000 square feet, I have about $8 million in sales, which is, just crazy good for a small multi-tenant center. By adding the benches and adding the music, I'm, my goal is to add the dwell time because if I can add the dwell time, then the sales will be, you know, will inch up for my tenants 
And we all know that rent is a function of sales. So think about in your properties, in your portfolio, is there something that you can do or add to your center that would add the dwell time for the customer? And then I think that would contribute to future sales and then future rents, which yeah. we all know adds to, to the value of our portfolios. Absolutely, they gotta hang out there so they can spend the money, right? Exactly, Michael, exactly. Well, Beth, great tips today. We appreciate uh, you being on the show. Thank you, Michael. All right, and stay with us. We'll have more on retail and real, retail real estate. Stay with us. I'm Michael Bull. This is America's Commercial Real Estate Show. Invest alongside real estate experts, sponsors who have a successful track record and skin in the game. It's as easy as one, two, three. Learn about the deals, make your investment, and grow your financial wealth. Visit ArborCrowd.com. Are you looking to buy, sell, or lease commercial real estate? You're invited to contact Bull Realty for customized asset and occupancy solutions. Call 404-876-1640 or visit BullRealty.com. Promote your business to the U.S. commercial real estate industry. Click Advertise at the show website, CREshow.com. Welcome back to America's Commercial Real Estate Show. I am Michael Ball. Thanks for, for being with us. This segment is brought to you by BoneMe.org, B-O-M-I. They are the trusted source for education in the facilities and property management industry. Today we're talking about retail and retail real estate. And, you know, I like to get views from various people's desks, right? Analysts and economists and people studying the market. Uh, uh, property owners and developers, and, and also from brokers who are selling these properties every day and talking to buyers and sellers. Please wel welcome my next guest. It's Will Young, and Will is VP with the National Retail Group with Bull Realties. Join us in Studio One. Will, thanks for being with us. Hey, thanks for having me on. So, what are you seeing today when you take a shopping center, uh, retail center to market? Uh, are, pe are investors still interested in retail? <laughs> Absolutely. This is the hottest I've seen uh, when we go to market, uh, the reaction we're getting. Uh, it, the first month usually is when we get the most uh, most inquiries about it. And yeah. So why are some sellers interested in selling today? Uh, are they concerned about the, the market or the tenants? Or are they think we're in the right place of the cycle? Why are sellers selling? A lot of the sellers that I see uh, have held on through the last downturn and they see how long we've been going on an uptick. Uh, I think right now we're going on eight years mm -hmm. um, and they don't want to uh, be caught in the same position they were before and they're ready to sell it because it's stabilized and things are good and we're at the top of the market. Yeah, I think uh, that's a good point if you're, you're considering the cycles and a lot of investors do buy and sell on the cycles and uh, we're in a great place. Uh, uh, in the cycle now, and then you've got interest rates uh, rising, which I guess would concern some sellers that might impact cap rates, right? Uh, that's, that's right, but uh, with retail centers, strip centers, uh, those are a good hedge against uh, the cap rate, against the interest rates, interest rates uh, yeah. rising because there's the rents can increase, and when the leases are rolling, they can capture those as well. So it's okay. And why, and let's talk to, to the buyers out there, why are buyers 
why do they like retail? What is it that attracts them to them? Because you know you hear in the in the news the bankruptcies and you know retail's changing. You know, why are buyers interested? Well, a lot of like um, we'll say the Toys R Us boxes. You see a lot of those going out. Mm-hmm. A lot of people see that as an opportunity because when those uh, leases were originally signed, mm-hmm. they were at lower rates than what the market is today. So there's good upside if you're a value-add investor. Yeah, and retail properties are usually pretty good re- real estate, right? That's right, yeah. absolutely. And a lot, there's also opportunities on some of these retail properties to do other types of development down the road, like mixed-use development. Yeah, 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 I agree. There's a lot of opportunities maybe on those properties to do, do other things down the road. What about the buyers today, Will? Are they are, are most of them paying cash or most of them financing? What do you see there? Most buyers are going to be using, uh, fi- they're going to be financing these deals. Mm-hmm. Uh, however, in some of the distressed deal situations, you'll see buyers come in, pay all cash, and then finance down the road yeah. in order to close quickly. Okay. Uh, yeah, I think some of these are so competitive, the buyers are going to want to offer to close quick, right, and pay cash. What about when they are financing them, Will? You know, are lenders looking at these deals and their underwriting, is it a little tougher now than it was? It depends on the type of financing you're getting. If you're getting a CMBS loan, mm-hmm. those are going to be very scrutinized, and they're going to review those very thoroughly whereas if it's a smaller deal and you're using the local bank sometimes they're they're going to get the appraisal make sure every all the leases check out and it just won't be quite as in-depth yeah and what would you leave the audience with will related to retail and and retail real estate it seems like you know the economy has been great uh good job market but a lot of uh, retail sales are going online Uh, what should we think about related to retail in retail real estate uh, it's right now it's a it's a great market it's a good time to sell mm-hmm. um and then also a lot of these buyers that we're seeing come in the reason they're buying other retails because they just made so much money mm-hmm. that they're rolling it into another property and 1031 in it yeah so yeah there's always uh one man's trash is another man's treasure right that's right <laughs> will thanks for joining us i right, appreciate it and thank you for joining us around the country around the world uh thank you for being with us and uh, let us know your thoughts and comments we appreciate you sharing the show and we also appreciate hearing from you until next week be sure that you always lead learn and laugh and join us for america's commercial real estate show America's Commercial Real Estate Show is brought to you by Bull Realty, Asset and Occupancy Solutions, Arbor Crowd, Invest Alongside Experts, Bomi.org, Property and Facility Management Education, Real Crowd, Crowdfunding with Professionals, The News Funnel, Real Estate News Personalized, CommercialAgentSuccess.com, Video Training from Michael Bull. To access these great companies or for more videos, podcasts, and articles, visit CREshow.com.